Welcome back to the Charlotte Angel Connection, the Charlotte area podcast linking entrepreneurs, investors, and the broader Charlotte community. As you know, our goal here is to interview the individuals who are building, shaping, and influencing entrepreneurship in the Charlotte region so you can stay invested in Charlotte's growth. Today, we've got Rich Camacho, co-founder of Blue Recruit, actually headquartered out of the Triangle area. Uh, Rich is uh, or has been developing Blue Recruit for the last couple years. It is a platform that enabled, uh, we'll call them blue class folks or tradespeople um, to find work. Um, he's got an interesting story and background as to how he came about in that spot. Um, he does a great job telling the story and outlining what I think is a really good value proposition for for how the business can can work and and grow and scale from market to market over the course of the next couple of years. Um, super hard worker uh, has background and you know, military. So certainly someone who understands how to, you know, how to, uh, exceed expectations, achieve results, and certainly is doing that in his own business right now as well with Blue Recruit. So really excited to release today's episode with you, um, highlighting his business and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So please enjoy another edition of the Charlotte Angel Connection. Hey, Rich, welcome to the show today, man. Really excited to um, to get a chance to talk to you and share your story and Blue Recruit story with our audience. So um, let's um, let's get rocking and rolling, right? Awesome. Thanks so much for uh, for having me today, Willem. Really excited to, to chat and and you know chat with uh, with your audience. Yeah, no, absolutely. So um, as you know, um, you know the easy way for us to get started is just a, a quick. You know, 60 second intro. Um, so this is your chance to, um, this is the rich Camacho, um, commercial right here, um, uh, for the Super Bowl, except it costs a little bit less than the Super Super Bowl commercial does. So let's get going. What's, um, give us, give us, give the audience the 60 second overview of, of you and blue recruit. Awesome. Well, uh, well, thanks for that. And thank you for the, uh, for the discounted rate. No, well, uh, so blue recruit, we, uh, we're out of Raleigh, North Carolina, so uh, for your Charlotte guests, you know, not too far down the road. But we are a platform built for blue-collar skilled workers where they can go ahead and connect with the companies that are looking to hire. Uh, I think everyone right now, unless you haven't turned on the TV in about the last 18 months, <laughs> has a pretty good understanding that it's really, really hard to, to hire anybody right now, especially for skilled trade workers. So we're really excited that you know about two years ago, we put this platform together. And by eliminating uh, resumes and by eliminating job descriptions, we really just focus on the skills, certifications, and experiences that really, really matter in the trades. So it's a really fast and efficient way for employers to find job seekers. And it really allows job seekers, you know, the greatest opportunity to, to get connected with, with the best opportunity that's out there and for employers to uh, very quickly and you know, in, inexpensively find the folks that they desperately need right now. Yeah, so let's um, let's rewind for a little while. Um, you um, you were in the military. Um, you were at West Point. Um, yep. Came out, served in the military, um, and then what? Um, where did you go from there? What was your What was your next job after you left the military? 
So uh, I did what the vast majority of young junior military officers do as they're leaving the military. They're like, well, should I go get my MBA now and, uh, and then figure out what I want to do when I grow up? Uh, luckily, I decided not to go get my MBA. And while I was in discussions with an organization that helps you know, uh, folks that are leaving the military find corporate jobs, the, uh, the CEO of that company was like, hey, how do you feel about you know, being a salesperson and, and coming up here? I was like, well, I never considered sales. I think most military officers are like, well, I'm going to leave the military and go get a job in logistics or operations because that's what I've been doing you know, for the last uh, six, seven, eight years. But, uh, but no, I ended up moving 45 minutes from Fort Bragg to Raleigh, North Carolina, where I was working for an organization that was helping folks that were leaving the military. So, you know, kind of incoming veterans or soon to be veterans and putting them into the entry level corporate jobs. And so it was really, really enjoyable. I was there for, uh, for a little bit more than four years, uh, but ultimately kept running into a, into a problem. manager for our construction company can you help us find 10 welders can you help us find 10 carpenters and over and over and over again it was like i have no idea where to find 10 welders or 10 carpenters yeah um so um so you're there for four years you um to hone your skill set learn the business side of it a little bit more um identify a problem um how how long into your four years there were you starting to pick up on the trend of, Hey, wait a second, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. Um, and then how did you start to process that and determine, Hey, wait a second. I'm a, um, it's a problem. It's more than a one person problem. It's coming up over and over again. Now I want to figure out how to tackle this. So walk us, I mean, walk us through that process. Yeah, so one thing that I'm, I was really excited about, or I, I, I should say really appreciative of that particular role, is that I think a problem that a lot of folks that are leaving the military have is that we don't have a very good understanding of how corporate, corporate side of the world works. Because, you know, I come from an industry, I was, a, I was in charge of 10 Black Hawk helicopters, each one costing American taxpayer about 16 million bucks and millions more in, in yearly maintenance. So my concept of budget is pretty skewed <laughs> from, from the average business person. Like, oh yeah, you know, go buy another engine. What's the big deal? Yeah. <laughs> here's, here's the credit card. Obviously that's <laughs> not how the real world works. And so I, I really like the fact that I was able to work with, with customers and, and job seekers from so many different industries. And I think it really helped kind of hone in, you know, how the, how the real world for lack of a better term operates. But Almost instantly, um, it was, hey, we're really good at helping people find um, kind of young leaders that don't, aren't familiar with an industry, but, you know, these people are, are coming from, from the desert. They've been leading troops, uh, unbelievable levels of stress. I think you can teach them how to handle the office environment. So really young, dynamic leaders that can be trained on an industry, kind of like how I was being trained on, on, on the business corporate side. But over and over and over again, from the very beginning, it was like, hey, that's great. You found that this, this young leader that we can train up for, for more senior roles down the road. But at the end of the day, we need people to turn their wrenches. We need people to, to move product down the line. And ultimately, what ended up happening right around year you know, three, three and a half-ish 
of me being at the company. I was at that point, the vice president of sales and marketing. Uh, my father-in-law called me up one day. He's been an auto body painter since he was about 16 years old. By that point, he, um, he had a couple auto body shops down in South Florida. And he calls me. I was like, Rich, what did I do wrong? I was like, well, what, what are you talking about, Joe? He's like, I d- I'm trying to hire an auto body painter for one of the shops. I went to Indeed. I put out a job post. And I just got like 80 resumes for house painters. He's like, a house painter cannot paint a Toyota Camry. Like, just, just not the same skill set. And ultimately, that was the trigger that got the the concept for Blue Recruit started. So, no, that's awesome. So, um, so you spent um, eight years in the military at this point, right? I don't know. It's it, it, you, eventually, you'd spend, the, yeah. You spent some in, years in the military, right? Right after high school, and yeah. I left when I was like thirty. <laughs> yeah. So you spent some years in the military. You'd served mm-hmm. overseas. Um, you'd done those different things. Um, you spent three and a half years in corporate and you're understanding a problem and you now kind of identify the fact that you want to go tackle it. Um, process oriented person, right? You've been, you've been taught that from the military. How did you tackle that from a process perspective, right? What was your, what were your first steps that you started to take? Hey, wait a second. I'm going to start a startup company. Um, using technology and i would assume were you a tech were you a um were you an it major at west point i was i'm so good at powerpoint yeah you're so good at powerpoint so there's, <laughs> there's your yeah, there's so, your technology skill set so yep so, um, so, so if you're I, gonna if start I a technology back, yeah. company right yeah it makes sense <laughs> yeah I, I go back two and a half years ago and i'm like wow i was really good at powerpoint yeah. and um you know excel give, give me give me a formula and, and i'll knock it out for you so absolutely not a technologist whatsoever uh, but clearly the problem that, that we were dealing with was one that needed to be solved with technology. Um, you know, I, I, I will never talk badly about another company. Um, Indeed is, is an incredible um, platform where if you're looking for a software developer, a salesperson, a C-level type executive, yeah, go to Indeed. Uh, I use LinkedIn every single day, but not every platform is built for every industry. And I think that's where this problem originates is that we're trying to solve all hiring problems by using Indeed or LinkedIn. And, and it's just not going to solve the problem for everything. Like you don't use a fork for soup, you use it for spaghetti. Yet we're trying to make Indeed a fork. And so ultimately what ended up happening as I was doing more and more research after my father-in-law called me up, I found that the average blue collar job requires four times more hard skills than a typical white collar role. So, you know, I, I looked at myself and said, okay, I am a salesperson. Very few hard skills and say like, okay, yeah, I read good to great. <laughs> That's my hard skill. Um, and I'm really good at PowerPoint, but it's all about those soft skills. I cannot go out and weld a ship. Like, like I don't care how hard of a worker I am. I'm, I'm going to burn my arm off if I just go out there and start trying welding a ship together. And so that's where I figured out where my father-in-law had the issue because a painter, West Palm Beach, 25 bucks an hour. And what does it indeed do? It sees a bunch of keywords, sees 25 bucks an hour, sees painter, sees West Palm Beach. So what we have now built is a database of over 15,000 certifications and licenses specifically targeting the trades industries. So rather than trying to do this keyword match, we almost took on more of the dating app 
uh, approach and said, hey, let a job seeker say, I'm in construction, I'm a carpenter, and select the certifications, the skill sets, the pay, the location they're looking for. And rather than an employer just waiting for people to maybe apply to their job that likely aren't qualified for it, they can just go on and say, hey, I'm looking for a carpenter in Charlotte. We're paying 25 bucks an hour and I need him or her to have these certifications, these licenses search. So it's it's, it's a perfect matchmaking, uh, which is really built for for our industry. No, it's a really, it's a really cool, um, it's a really cool platform, right? I mean, it's super helpful for both sides of the equation. Um, because to your point, the welder is not going to put together a two page, um, uh, resume, um, along with the cover letter <coughs> and submit it out to, you know, 200 different employers on, on Indeed or LinkedIn or something like that. Right. So, it, I mean, it exactly. makes a ton of sense. I mean, let's face it. Most, most people can't write a good one page qualitative resume and that mechanic working on under the hood. That's not their concern. Yeah. So we'll shoot most people in corporate America for 20 years don't write a good um, exactly. resume <laughs> either. Right. So maybe, maybe you can turn blue recruit into a spork and you can, um, you can, you can service something besides just the, um, the blue collar, you can move over to white collar too. Right. Um, so, um, so you've got this concept, you've got this idea. Um, it's, it's a tech enabled platform. Um, right. So no, it, it, it's actually, Pure, pure tech now. We've completely eliminated uh, ourselves from, from the process. So uh, like I said, in literally in five minutes and 17 seconds, that's the average time it takes for a job. So you create a profile. Um, they, can, they can get up and running. And then employers, uh, you know, just right now, since we were talking, I saw two companies log in, create profiles, and, and run searches for employees. So it's completely a self-guided process. How'd of you course, get... we're here to help. But, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How'd you get there from a tech perspective, in-house, out-of-house, um, combination? Co- combination is new. Obviously, I was not going to build it myself. Yeah. Uh, I, I did do the initial wireframes in PowerPoint. And uh, I remember a few folks just looking at it like, what in the world is it? Like, it's PowerPoint. It, yeah. it, it, it makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, initially, we were, we were purely out-of-house. And, uh, and now, thankfully, uh, we have both in-house developer uh, for you know the, the typical day-to-day maintenance, small bug fixes, little little changes here and there, and then a great third party that helps us with with projects. How did you outsource, or how did you? Um, what was your process for finding that third party um, developer? Trial and error, which I don't suggest to anybody. So if anyone yeah. is out there is looking for a third party, especially in uh, in North Carolina, uh, please give us a call. We'll talk to you. The, you don't want to do a lot of trial and error because trial and error is really expensive. But one of the things that we did decide to do from the very beginning was uh, we wanted to do everything onshore. We, because we were, we were creating a platform that is really where great American workers can connect with other great American companies, we figured it's inappropriate for us to be trying to get you know, our fellow citizens jobs while we're sending our work you know, to lack of work, Ukraine it would be really bad to send work to Ukraine right now, but you know, it, it, it's inappropriate. So our process was, I think a little bit different than a lot of other startups in that we were looking for really neighbors. And so our third party development shop, they're in, uh, they're in Durham. And I, while it, you know, it can be more expensive and, and that can be challenging, especially for startups. I think at the end of the day, it makes communication a lot easier 
And I would much rather be supporting, you know, a local company like that than somebody, you know, offshore. Yeah. Now, maybe, um, again, with your, um, with your platform and the audiences that you're targeting, um, it seems to make sense. And, you know, that's, um, it's great that you were able to find a partner that allows you to do that right there in your own backyard. Right. Exactly. So <clears throat> let's see. So we've, we've got a development, um, firm that's, you know, now helping you out. They're building out the platform and you've got a PowerPoint wire presentation that is their guide to get them to where they need to be. Um, how long, how long did the process take from, you know, I, I guess while they're doing this, are you still at your old company, Rich? No. So, uh, this was, this is a decision that I don't think can be taken lightly, Yeah, but it's definitely a decision. You know, if, if you're married, I think you have to sit down with your spouse and figure it out. But, uh, once we made the decision to, to do this, I wanted to go, I wanted to go full in. And I didn't think it would be possible to be, you know, I, I was in a leadership role at my last company and I would not be giving those that I was supposed to be leading the, the attention and, and the, the guidance that they deserve. So we made the decision that I would go ahead and, and leave that corporate job. And for the next eight months, I had no salary. So it's definitely a decision that, uh, you know, if I happen to know a really good financial advisor, yeah, you might want to talk to me before, uh, before you make this jump. Uh, slight, slight plug for, uh, for Will there. But that's definitely a decision that has to be made as a family. Obviously, not everybody can do that at a time but it was the right choice for us. And so while development was initially going on, I think one problem that a lot of startups do in the very beginning is they get this idea and they're like, let's go ahead, send this out to a third party, let's build it. Oh, by the way, it's gonna cost you $250,000 to build. That's, that's a massive risk. <laughs> uh, so do some testing, figure out, a, you know, start product market fit, start doing interviews with users, with customers, and just figure out, hey, is anyone actually going to pay for this uh, before you go ahead and quit your job and invest 100, 200, 300,000, whatever that, that looks like? No, that's a great point. So you're, you're doing that product market fit prior to leaving, or did you leave and then do the product market fit? Yeah, so, so we identified, obviously, the problem, and I the very first version of Blue Recruit, which I consider like our baby MVP was actually two landing pages. Because, you know, I, I envisioned creating a marketplace. I said, hey, how about we just make, this, let's start building a marketplace. And what it initially was, was a landing page where job seekers could go and say, hey, yeah, I'm interested in this. And they would give us their information and little, you know, announced to anybody outside of, of, of us it was actually populated in Excel spreadsheet with their name, contact information, and all the certifications and licenses that they had. And that's how we initially started building out this list. And so what I was actually doing, just to figure out like, hey, will anyone actually pay me for a job seeker without a resume? Like, I didn't know if, if companies would do that, because frankly, we couldn't find anybody who was doing this. And so what we were doing was, uh, you know, I can think of one of our very first customers, they were Benjamin Moore. We kind of like went all in at, at the very beginning. And I was actually would send Benjamin Moore job seekers from an Excel spreadsheet. So I would just copy all the information and email it over to them. And it worked. And I was like, okay, people are actually willing to do this. 
And so those initial trials are what led to that first MVP, which you know, now kind of looking at that MVP, it's, it's like maybe 10% of, of the amount of the website that we, we currently have. That's awesome. Um, so it took you, um, how long did the development process take you, Rich? Once you decided you're going to hire the firm out of Durham, um, up until the point that you hit publish, um, and it was, it was a live, um, something other than two landing page website. How long did that process take you? Yeah. So, uh, so the landing pages were in full operation, uh, through the end of 2019, all the way until in February, 2020. So if, if everyone remembers, you know, the good old days of February, 2020, we, we sat down and were like, Hey, it'd be really cool if we could actually have a true marketplace built out in a year. And, and, and that's what it was at this point, it was three founders. Uh, I was working full time. My two other founders were part time. And, and that was our goal. Okay. So we're going to wait one year, try to try to build out some revenue from this and launch an MVP that we could fund. And then March happened. And I don't think we had to recap all of that, but you know, we saw, I think it was about 3.8, 3.9% of employment, maybe less than that. And then it skyrocketed to the teens. And we're like, we've got to put something out. Like we have to put out something right now because I hate to say it, but in all market, in all markets, different companies will grow or decline. And in our particular situation, this was an opportunity for us to really quickly capture uh, a population. And so we, we went full out and put out the job seeker side of the marketplace. And that was out by May. So it's in really fast development. And we had just the job seeker side of the marketplace out until November of 2020. And it was still the employer landing page. So we're, it was kind of like tech enabled at this point. Yeah. And then in November of 2020 is when we launched the true marketplace, obviously ran beta for several months. And now we're, we're, we're still, you know, adding to the website constantly. Yeah. As you will be <clears throat> in theory forever, right? Exactly. Um, how do you come up with the pricing model? So you've got a unique pricing model that you, um, you developed along the way. Right. And I think it's, it's really cool. And how did it, how did it come about? And, and then I guess in the same sentence or not same sentence, cause that'd be a long run on sentence, <laughs> but, um, in the same, you know, um, opportunity to just talk, tell the audience what it is. Yeah. So I kind of, kind of going in the, in the same, uh, concept as how we ultimately found the third party development team. That's the right fit for us. Try on air. When, so you can kind of see a going theme here. And so when we first launched, you know, the, the, the true double-sided Excel spreadsheet that I call our baby MVP, I had come from the recruiting world. I was used to saying, okay, when, when I send you a job seeker, I'm going to charge that company 20%, 25%, 30% of that first year revenue. That immediately we knew, hey, that doesn't make sense for the hourly paid welder. So we said, okay, I'll, we're going to charge them $300. I can't remember the original price now. $300 for every three job seekers. And that kind of worked initially. However, what ultimately ended up happening was as we started to, to be you know, liked by some of our early customers, we went from providing them with, you know, very skilled individuals and in, uh, let's say an industrial electrician. No one has any problem paying $100 to hire an industrial electrician. That's a great deal. 
but they started saying, hey, can you also help us with warehouse associates? Can you help us with loading dock personnel? At that point, $100 didn't make a lot of sense for you know, a lower skilled individual or someone trying to enter the workforce. And so ultimately just trial and error. And, and really what I recommend to any startup out there is talk to your customers. They're more than willing to tell you what they want to pay and how they want to pay it. Obviously it's going to be a little skewed, yeah. <laughs> take it with a grain of salt, but it was, it was customer interviews and where we ultimately reached the pricing model we have now, which is based off of each individual job seekers, particular professional certification levels. So we now have a, a pool of over 15,000 certifications and licenses. And so when a job seeker signs up for Blue Recruit, we can rank them everywhere from one to four. Uh, a one individual is you know, your general labor, your entry level uh, person that wants to get themselves into the labor market. A four is gonna be your master plumbers, your industrial electricians, your, your welding inspectors. And so companies simply purchase a bulk number of credits from us. It starts off at 20 bucks a credit. And that allows them to, to find and connect with folks of, of different skill le levels, because obviously every company needs to hire, you know, not only do you need a foreman, well, you also need, you know, 10 hammer, hammer swingers. And so one real simple, straightforward um, pricing model uh, works, works across the board. So the credit model ultimately is what, what you landed upon. Exactly. So you just buy, you know, you buy bulk of a hundred credits or whatever it ends up being. Um, and you use those credits um, and you need to make some newer hires and you go out and you buy some more credits. So it's not a per person deal anymore. Right. Exactly. Um, so what you've essentially created is because of the credit model, while it's not exactly recurring, um, it ends up kind of be a recurring process because they're constantly in need of new people. So they're just circling back through and buying more credits on a, um, on a quarterly or annual or whatever basis they need to make them um, happen. Right. Exactly. As, as long as, you know, the, the software is working the way it should, we're doing our job and, and customers are happy. Um, you know, they'll, they'll keep coming back. I love it because we literally have zero churn, <laughs> but of course, <laughs> but of course we're looking for those folks to come back, you know, depending on the, on their hiring needs, whether it be quarterly, monthly, yearly. Yeah. So now we'll get into the difficult conversation, right? Which is you're building out a two-sided marketplace, um, right? And with, um, with blue collar workers. So you talk to somebody in Raleigh, <clears throat> so to speak, and you learn pretty quickly that the person in Raleigh also has a, division in Columbia, South Carolina or Tampa, Florida or something else. Mm -hmm. And Hey, Hey, that's really cool. But I don't, I don't have anybody on my platform in Tampa or Columbia, right? I've got a bunch of Raleigh people cause that's where I'm located. Um, they're like, well, that's great, but I need somebody in Tampa. I need you to help me out. So how with that mindset and recognizing that companies are so national these days, um, how did you, um, how'd you grow out that two-sided marketplace as quickly as you needed to, to keep the companies happy? How do you attract new talent onto the platform? Because, um, I don't know, you probably don't reach these, you, um, you obviously aren't link, um, reaching the job seekers with LinkedIn ads, um, ads, right. They're not, they're not actively on LinkedIn. So, um, how do you reach them? How do you build them? How, how's that, how's that process developed over time? Yeah. So what you just described is, is the company. Uh, I call it the Kevin Costner model. If, if we build it, they will come. If we have job seekers, employers will come. Uh, frankly, right now, nobody can build out job seekers and, and get 
as enough job seekers onto any platform as possible. And, and that is both a, a blessing when it comes to business development and also a curse because we want to make sure that we're providing our customers with the experience and the, and the product that they expect and they're paying us for. Uh, so what, we f- what I first decided to do was to launch the platform in Raleigh, Charlotte, Atlanta, and Nashville. And so when we, were, when we had that you know, double landing page thing going on, we were only targeting job seekers in those four markets. How did you target job seekers? What was, um, right. How did, are are we setting up, um, uh, tables at some restaurant or how are you, how are you attracting those seekers onto the platform in those four locations? Yeah. So, so this was, this was March, April, 2020. There were, there there was nowhere we were going. We we weren't going anywhere to to set up, to set these things up. So it was. Hazmat suit. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) In, In the beginning, it was, it was social. Now, thankfully, as we've grown, it's we target job seekers depending on where they are in their career. So those entry level folks, it's social media and, you know, the, the appropriate channels to, to get them, you know, social, not LinkedIn. It is Facebook. It's Instagram. It's not Twitter. Um, and then as folks move up, so does our process of partnerships with community colleges, vocational schools, the military, um, believe it or not, direct mail for our highly skilled individuals. So it's, it's a wide gamut. And right now what's, what's really driving our company forward is corporate level partnerships. Uh, we, we just started a partnership with Fister Fawcett. They have an awesome uh, YouTube channel called American Plumber Stories, where they're highlighting you know, the incredible career somebody can have in the plumbing industry. And so you know, that co-marketing whether it be with Fister, with DeWalt, Stanley Black and Decker, uh, and right now we're, we're working on a deal with the Home Depot. That's what's really driving uh, our marketing efforts now, because especially in our industry, it's all about trust. Uh, skilled workers, hey, I've always gotten a job because my friend told me to go work there. They trust their friend. We need to reach that same level of trust with our job seekers as their friend. We want to be their, their digital friend, their, their digital career helper, counselor. So that's, you know, by partnering with, with, you know, some of America's top brands like that, we're increasing our, our brand equity. Um, so what we kind of go back to your original question, we were actually having issues. Uh, I remember when we launched into the Dallas market, Dallas grew really, really rapidly for us. You know, Texas, Florida, there's certain states that are just incredible growth going on. But we were helping out a company in Dallas that also had needs up in upstate New York. We literally had zero people in upstate New York. And they reached out like, hey, thanks so much for Dallas. That, that was awesome. Can you help us out in, in upstate New York? I'm like, no. <laughs> and it was like, what, what do I do? Like, I can't. It was a very large company. They're still using the platform today. I was like, we can't lose them. So it, again, it went back to trust. And it was like, hey, you know we're growing. We're a startup. Give us a month. We're going to go ahead and do some specific marketing for you. And then come back in a month and you'll have what you need. And that, that ultimately led to a product feature that we called Save Search. So you can run a search, save it. And then when folks enter the database, we'll email you those individuals. So um, that's you know kind of like product market led growth. But that just kept happening over and over and over again. So we grew throughout the Southeast. We started growing in major metros where our customers were sending us to. And then thankfully a few months ago, we, we did bring on some investment 
And now we're actually pushing through an 18th month nationwide launch plan. So you're going for, I guess, middle of 2023 to be nationwide. Exactly. So exciting, scary, um, uh, gut-wrenching, um, all of the above. I haven't woken up past 4.30, not because I'm alarmed, but just like, oh, I got to do this. Oh, what about this, this situation? Um, that I can't wait for maybe that to one day end. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's funny. Companies think like, oh, you took on investment dollars. Everything's good to go. No, no. Like that is just the start of now there's just more people watching what I do. Yeah. And the, the level of, of stress, but I, I absolutely love, I, I work better in those situations. So it's, it's a good way to, to check yourself and make sure everything's, everything's progressing the way that it should. So it's, um, I imagine the answer is going to be trial and error, but I got to answer it. Um, I got to ask it anyways. Right. Um, what was the process? I mean, so you just mentioned that you've raised some investment dollars, right? So what was the, what, um, at what point in time did you know you were going to have to do it? How did you, um, how did you prepare yourself for it? And then what was that process like for you and raising, raising those outside dollars? Um, I don't think anyone is really prepared to raise that has never raised before. Uh, frankly, it was just a matter of like, I felt like I needed a Webster's dictionary for BC terms. Um, there's, there's some term like, and I, what I love is like one, one BC can call the exact same thing, a completely different term. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Like, oh, why don't you just say that? Yeah. <laughs> like, here's, here's all my, here's all my documents. Just look and tell me what you need. Um, really one of the best things that we did for our company was, um, here in you know, North Carolina, the Riot Accelerator Program, uh, originally being run out of Raleigh. Now, uh, Tom and his team, they're, they're spreading all over, all over the place. So press, press pause for one just a second. Again, we're in Charlotte. Vast majority of our listeners are, are Charlotte-based. So um, what's Riot again? Got it. So Riot used to be called Riot Internet of Things. And they were an accelerator program for, for local companies here in, here in Raleigh. They have subsequently grown. They have operations now in Colorado, Virginia, throughout North Carolina, uh, as well as a handful of other locations. So they, they've changed their name to Riot. Uh, and just, you know, there's a lot of accelerators out there. It's incredible what Tom Snyder and his organization has done uh, in partnership with, you know, NCIDA, for example. And so we joined the Riot Accelerator Program in the summer of 2020, kind of right in the middle of us getting that product market fit put together. And uh, that local support, I think, is what really prepared us to eventually raise. And, uh, you know, that there in, in Charlotte, in, in the greater you know, North Carolina, South Carolina areas, it's getting and meeting people from Venture South, from uh, Charlotte Angel Fund. And I think being part of that ecosystem, and you have to purposely put yourself into those situations. And I can't recommend to people more, even if you're not raising, you're going to probably raise one day. You're going to, you're going to want a connection like, Hey, I have a friend at the Home Depot. Let me do a warm intro and just making yourself available and, and putting yourself out there is absolutely key because it makes that conversation of if, if, and when it is time to raise so much easier, you know, you, you build, you build rapport, you build a relationship when it's just meeting people and it's a lot easier to, to talk, you know, I need you to write me a check 
<laughs> when you already have the basis of a relationship in place. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's nice for you to um, not make the first phone call when you need somebody to write a check, right? Yes. It's nice when you've established that it's one of the things when people reach out, uh, one of the first things we you know, ask them is, you know, do you have an investor newsletter, right? Um, just that monthly newsletter or whatever it is, right? That constant drip, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we need introductions to. Um, you know, this is what's working. This is what's not working. Just so that the investor can get to know who you are, what you're doing, how you're having success. Um, and for all intents and purposes, how you're failing fast in other areas to lead you down a different path of success, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it sounds like a Riot was a great platform for you um, to kind of run down that understand what the startup life was, um, what was probably next in terms of the growth of the company, and just to be able to bounce ideas off of that network of folks that had either been through it already or that were going through it with you at the same time. Exactly. So <clears throat> you mentioned a few minutes ago, a few minutes ago, um, you've got you've got two other uh, founders. Is that right? That you brought on board. So, uh, so right now we're a team of seven. You're a team of seven. Yep. And, and you're uh, sole just, founder. Just, just checking along. No, uh, myself and our CEO, uh, we're, we're both founders. And then, you know, the other members of our team, uh, primarily on the marketing side. And then of course our, our developer. Yeah. So how'd you find your founder, your co-founder? Sorry. Uh, my co-founder, I actually, uh, it was our first date was about 12 years ago. Okay. A, we had, I had just come back from Afghanistan and uh, just so happened that a, a, another guy that was in, in my unit, also a helicopter pilot, uh, he was engaged to my co-founder's roommate <laughs> and ne- never met her. Uh, we went out and I was like, oh, I kind of like you. And so, you know, fast forward 10 years later, um, when, when this idea came about, she's on the, uh, on the technology side. And uh, we've had a very, uh, it's definitely not something I recommend for all married couples, yep. but it, it has been, it has been great for us. So uh, yeah, my, my co-founder is definitely in it for the long haul. <laughs> Hopefully, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. She also so, has a majority of share. Uh, hold on a second, Rich. I just lost, lost you. She's got a majority of the what? Oh, she also has a majority of the shares. So okay. yeah, so there's that part. Smart, smart play on your part. <laughs> so, um, so you're a team of seven. Yep. Um, how, um, uh, let's see, how fast have you grown from two to seven? Well, I guess when did you start? When, when did you make your first hire? Was it with outside capital or were you starting to make hires before you raised outside capital? So we actually, uh, we, we made our first unofficial two hires through equity. And the way that we did that, uh, I was a member or I'm you know, still a member of an organization called Bunker Labs. Uh, they actually have a great chapter in, in Charlotte area. If anyone is from the military community, definitely go check it out. But it's an organization that just helps veteran entrepreneurs. And so I was a member of that. I've been a member for probably six plus years at this point. And one of the large marketing volunteers for the area, his name is Frank Pollock has a marketing firm in Durham, North Carolina. He was a, he provided, you know, complimentary mentoring assistance on, in marketing for companies. 
I ran the idea of Blue Group past him. You know, we've grown a good rapport. I trusted his insight. And he actually loved the idea. So we threw ideas back and forth for, for several months. And ultimately, we, we decided on a, uh, on a sweat equity deal where uh, his firm would, would run our marketing. Uh, with, any, with any marketplace, that is the Achilles heel. You're either going to absolutely kill it or you're going to die because you can't market to, to usually one side of the marketplace. And so Frank and brought over another individual named Brandon, and they've been with us uh, for about two and a half years now. Uh, it's, it's been an awesome relationship. Uh, and then other hires came on board. We had a couple summer interns. We ultimately hired one of them. It was an awesome fit. And then after the outside capital race, that's when, uh, when we brought on our developer and, and uh, some, some more marketing associates. Awesome. So um, what you learned in your own hiring process um, that's kind of helped you a little bit with the Blue Recruit model, or is it really the fact that Blue Recruit's hiring a different um, type of person than you were, or was there some experiences and correlations that you learned, hey, wait a second, maybe we can do this, maybe we should do that? Yeah, you know, obviously when it comes to, you know, a developer, do, do no, anyone listening out there, do not come to Blue Recruit thinking you can hire a developer. You can't. <laughs> uh, maybe there's a plumber out there who's also no C++. I don't yeah. know. But uh, yeah, so obviously we can't use our own, our own recruiting platform to recruit for our team. But it also went back to the ecosystem, you know, that we had, we had been a part of and we're, we're still consistently growing um, is that that ecosystem is actually what introduced us to all of our hires. And what I really love about that is that you get the ability to, to meet people, interact with people in, you know, in a professional setting, but not in an interview setting. Like we, I got to you know, meet Frank, get to know Frank through Bunker Labs. I got to meet George, one of our marketing associates, because um, we were assisting NC State on the entrepreneur classes. And I was like, I really like this kid. Like, he's got a fantastic personality. He's got a great work ethic. Really liked what we were doing. And ultimately, it just made sense for him to come on board. Um, our developer, we knew him through other developers in our ecosystem. And it was those developers recommending like, hey, he is a great fit for what y'all are doing. And so I think, you know, with companies that are obviously hiring, it's just so difficult right now. So anyone out there that's, that's going through these challenges, join a meetup group, uh, attend that, that lunch and learn, um, you know, go out there and put yourself out there because you never know when you're going to develop those relationships that could ultimately lead to that next great hire. Now you're right about that. Um, so um, it's always hard to imagine that we're coming up to the end of the show. So we've got about 10 minutes left um, before we will um, wrap up. Um, you alluded to it earlier on in the conversation, which is unemployment rate went from you know the threes to the teens in a drop of a hat. Um, and while it's fallen back down, that doesn't mean that people aren't looking for a job and aren't there's not a, a mass demand for them as well. So how do you, how do you on that, on the one hand, right? You just want to grow absolutely as fast as you can and grab market share right now. Um, and on the other hand, you have to do it in a way that you're keeping people, you're right. You're trying to create that trusted platform and, and trust can be broken if you, um, if you don't do things the right way. So how do y'all, how do y'all manage that, that balance right now? 
one thing, you, you know, you're, you're absolutely like right now, it's all about just market share. There's such a demand right now for, for people of all skill sets, all industries. We have to grow as quickly as possible. But again, like you said, trust is absolutely paramount. I think one of the, one of the things that I think is super important to maintain that trust, I think a lot of VCs out there listening would be like, Rich, that's not scalable. Well, you know what? Not everything is. But certain things, certain things just require that it not be scalable. And it's worth my time, and I don't care how much time it does take, is I try to speak to as many of our customers as I possibly can. Everyone gets an email from me, uh, and hopefully they respond and we can set up a meeting. Because just like we, it was those customer interviews that resulted in our pricing model. It was those customer interviews that resulted in how we set up credits. Customer interviews has led to so much of what's now driving our business. And what I always love to do, I, I hear it all the time from these customers, like, we're really excited for Blue Recruit to fix our hiring problem. Whoa, stop. <laughs> Blue Recruit is not going to fix your hiring problem. Anyone that tells you that, and if you get a call from a headhunting recruiter, I'm going to solve it. No, they're not. Unless you have a factory that's making electricians right now, no one's going to solve the problems. What, what we can do is be a great, effective augmentation to what you're doing. And I think it's that people hear that like, oh, you kind of just undersold yourself. Like, no, I'm, I'm giving you reality. There's such a massive shortage of workers. There's such a massive demand. There's no way, hopefully, you know, one day, but there's no way I'm going to be able, my team's going to be able to capture every electrician, every carpenter, uh, you know, you name it. And so I think it's setting those proper expectations with customers and letting them know exactly what you can and can't do. And I, I think that really comes down to, to the sale and the follow-up and not, not overselling yourself, just, just telling people and being honest with capabilities. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. So um, you can't fix their hiring problem. Um, however, are there, are there ways that you can help um, the, the ways that you can help along the way, right? Um, mm -hmm. Training and things like that. What can y'all do on future releases of Blue Recruit to help people on the platform and companies on the platform continue to excel? Yeah, one thing we're really excited about is in about two weeks, we're going to be releasing after a company and a job seeker make that mutual connection. Uh, in two weeks, they're now going to be able to, to go all the way and either do a live chat, if that's what they prefer to do, or they can actually go ahead and do a full video interview chat from the Blue Recruit platform. Um, we, we found through, through testing, you know, most, most AWS certified mechanics don't have Zoom downloaded to their iPhone. And you have HR staff that does. So wh where's the disconnect? Uh, a lot of folks don't have a calendar set up. So we've actually gone ahead and built out all those integrations and we created our own video chatting service so that a job seeker doesn't have to download anything. They don't have to download a, a, a video application. They don't have to download a, a calendar. We're gonna go ahead and push that all to them to, to hopefully speed up and improve the efficiency of the total hiring platform. Uh, we're also having the ability now for very large corporations. Uh, what we found was, you know, let's say a, a corporate headquarters in Seattle, Washington, but they're supporting 30 different locations across the country. That one person in Seattle, Washington doesn't want to, to manage the credits. So they can go ahead and, and give each location X amount of credits. They can give each user X amount of credits. 
And then one thing that, that we're really doing with, with our partners throughout the country is providing lunch and learns, you know, webinars to help in the overall hiring process. Cause we're getting, we're gaining a ton of data right now and we're finding out what approaches on work and what doesn't work. For example, right now, advertising the sign-on bonus, that's a waste of money. Like we're seeing, we're seeing that process fail over and over and over again. What does work is believe it or not, flex schedule, you know, people that work, you know, our typical software folks love working from home, having the flexibility. Well, so do mechanics, so do welders. And ha- giving them the ability to, hey, I want to work four days this week, but I'm going to work 12-hour shifts, 10-hour shifts, whatever that looks like. Uh, and then also highlighting the job satisfaction. Job satisfaction and flex schedule is the number one preferred attribute of a job by two-thirds of skilled workers. It's not pay. Yet we wow. keep advertising pay. Yeah, no, that's crazy. I don't, um, and I guess it makes sense, right? Everybody wants flexibility in their life. Yep. Um, so it doesn't matter who you are. Um, training models as well. We all do training in the future. Yep. So we are actually uh, working right now. The, the fastest growing job in North Carolina, believe it or not, it's not software developer. It's a solar panel installer. And so we uh, have actually, we, we showed off a, uh, an MVP of it uh, a couple months ago. But we'll be releasing a training platform for the solar installation industry. That's going to be our first training module. Uh, Again, it's the fastest growing growing job in North Carolina, fastest growing job in eight different states right now. But most, you know, there aren't any experienced solar installers. (laughs) It's it's, it's such new technology. Companies are having to hire completely inexperienced people. And it's taking about six months to train them up. And so with our platform, it's a mixed reality. Uh, We're right now able to cut that down in half. So it's about a three month process. So obviously uh, great safety because you're not the first time you're training someone it does have to be up on a roof Yeah. and huge cost savings for folks. Cause right now, not only is that, you know, that new hire, not a, a fully effective member of the team for six months, you're also taking that experienced person and having to train folks. So uh, our system will go ahead and, and, you know, ease that for companies. That's awesome. Where do you want to be in five years? I would love to be, you know, before this started, uh, Will and I were talking about beaches down in Florida. I think that would be absolutely ideal. <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, with us, it's, it's really continuing to grow out our partnerships. And the key right now, you know, we can make a fantastic uh, skilled trade recruiting platform. If we don't start showing young people that the trades is an incredible career opportunity, both intrinsically both financially, um, it doesn't, five years from now, 10 years from now, it doesn't matter how good of a software platform we are, we're gonna have nobody <laughs> to connect folks with. So one of the things that we're really, really uh, focusing in on, uh, you know, in co-marketing with our partners is showing young people that this is an incredible career opportunity. And just my goal is that that negative stigma that has been applied to the trades is either gone or dramat- dramatically reduced and that middle schoolers, high schoolers get the same amount of support, uh, you know, from parents, teachers, counselors, um, that they would for anyone going to traditional four-year school. And that's, um, it's a, a super, uh, huge goal. Um, and I think very, very spot on, right? I mean, I think the trades have been diminished a lot in favor of everybody must go to college and end up with $60,000 in college debt. 
um, and yep. that's not the case. Um, it's a it's a big challenge, though, right? Um, how do how do you over the course of the next five years? Um, how do you kind of see tackling? How, um, I'm a, you're almost going to the White House, right, and going to every <laughs> every every capital in fifty states and and having those conversations with those folks. Um, it's a it's a big um, big hairy audacious goal, so to speak, right? No, absolutely. You know, I, I think back on on my own uh, my own life when I made the decision to go to college, it wasn't even an option for me for for all of my friends. Like, yeah, I'm a degreed civil engineer. If I go and build a bridge right now, like that bridge is going to collapse. <laughs> so while while school was great and it taught me, you know, taught me a lot of things, it exposed me to the world. It really didn't prepare me for what I'm doing now in life. And it's just not the right fit for everybody. Thankfully, you know, I didn't have the college debt. Thank you, American taxpayer, for paying my way. But trying to force everybody into the same funnel, just like, you know, we can't we can't fill every job with Indeed. We can't fill every problem by sending people to college. Uh, one of the things I'm really excited about most, one of the ways, you know, you asked me earlier, how do we grow our job seekers? It's partnerships with community colleges and vocational schools. Uh, so many community colleges right now and vocational schools are operating on out through outdated methods. We had a, a thousands of, of students into the trades every single year they're trying to match with employers that are calling them with an Excel spreadsheet. It's like, I've been there, doesn't work. <laughs> and y'all have way greater numbers than we were trying to do with an Excel spreadsheet. So we, we provide our platform for them. And I think that the ability, when people start seeing like, oh, wow, I, I, I finished high school and in eight months, I have a job and I'm making $60,000 a year, you know, eight months out of high school, I have no debt. That word is going to spread amongst peers. And I, I, there's no way that a single brand, you know, I don't care how many partners we have with the Home Depot and, and Dewalt, no brand's going to be able to push that. But going full circle back to the whole trust thing, hey, my buddy graduated from high school last year and he's making 60K, has no debt, and he says he loves his job. Yeah. I'm going to go try this out. And what we have found, you know, we, uh, our CEO was a member of a study that recently came out that we have to start advertising the trades to kids by the eighth grade. If we don't show them by the eighth grade, by the time they go through high school and, and get all this inculcation about college, it's too late. Yeah. So, yep, it's, it's all about just getting the word out there and, and doing as much as, as much as possible. So, sorry. Um, the, um, I mean, what y'all built is really cool. So um, I'm at, um, gosh knows, I guess we first started our conversation back in November, um, and had a chance to talk a little bit in December and had a chance to talk today as well. And, you know, watching what y'all built and what you're releasing and how you're going about doing it. Um, y'all are building a fantastic company. Um, really exciting to see from the outside. So, um, thanks, um, a for, you know, you thank the American taxpayer for paying for your college. We'll say thanks back for serving. Um, and then, um, but also, you know, it's, it's really cool and super appreciated that you, you know, stopped by to spend an hour on the, on the call and the podcast today to talk a little bit about how you did, did it, as well as where you're, you know, going over the course of the next three to five years as well. So um, thanks so much on multiple fronts, Rich, for, um, for everything you've done. Thank you, William. Thanks for having me. It was a ton of fun. 
Registration does not imply a certain level of skill or training. Opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of Portis Wealth Advisors. The topics discussed and the opinions given are not intended to address the specific needs of any listener. Portis Wealth Advisors does not offer legal or tax advice. Listeners are encouraged to discuss their financial needs with the appropriate professional regarding your individual circumstance. Investments described herein may be speculative and may involve a substantial risk of loss. Interest may be offered only to persons who qualified as accredited investors under applicable state and federal regulation or an eligible employee of the management company. There generally is no public market for the interest. Prospective investors should particularly note that many factors affect performance, including changes in the market conditions and interest rates, and other economic, political, or financial developments. Past performance is not and should not be construed as indicative of future results.